Today is May 6th, 2019. I'm Dr. Grant Chandler, Executive Director of the MyExcel Statewide Field Team, and this is Blueprint Symposium. Our goal is simple, help you live and breathe this work so that you will realize your goal of dramatic improvement in student, teacher, and leader performance in a short amount of time. On tap for today's episode of Blueprint Symposium, I'll present a sneak peek of one of the chapters in our upcoming audiobook, Realizing Systemic Reconfiguration. This audio feature will be available at the end of the month, but in the meantime, here's a look at an amazing chapter on At Scale. Thank you to writers and contributors Bridget Skipper, Lynn Batchelder, Stephen Best, and Dr. Nora Avers for their great work on this chapter. Are you ready? Let's go. Here's the sneak peek at Realizing Systemic Reconfiguration, the chapter on At Scale. The concept of At Scale is our topic today. This theoretical yet practical construct, when mindfully applied to our blueprint work, has a pragmatic impact for realizing systemic reconfiguration. Our goal here is to provide you with clarity, practicality, and convenience. Today, we'll dive deeply into what At Scale means look at some of the research and review the application of at scale to the blueprint. Please remember your MyExcel statewide field team facilitator can provide extensive support, coaching, and more in-depth guidance into all the blueprint systems, as well as where to find tools, strategies, rationale, and research. What does that scale mean in general? Pause for a moment and think about an initiative, a process, or procedure in your school or district that was started and never was fully implemented or was never widely used? Did you think about PLCs, some new reading strategies, behavioral management initiatives, or did you think about some other effort that was never universally replicated? Perhaps it happened in a few classrooms or just one building or just one grade level or department, but not systematically throughout the district. So what might be some reasons why that process or initiative was not put in place at scale? Could it be because the district systems, drivers, driver systems, and building routines were not in place to support the program or initiative properly and fully? Would explicit professional learning to support the process have contributed to more success? The restaurant industry gives us a great analogy. According to Jarrett Bellini of CNBC in 2016, around 60% of new restaurants fail within the first year, and nearly 80% shutter before their first anniversary. While there are many factors that contribute to those failures, if we look at it through a systems thinking lens and contemplate what is necessary for change to happen at scale, we can expand our understanding. Tom Colicchio, a James Beard winning chef and creator and co-host of Top Chef, has dominated the restaurant-based reality television shows for well over a decade. He talked about the notion of starting a restaurant, why it is so difficult, and why so many fail. He said, open a restaurant, go get a copy of the French Laundry Cookbook, master all of those dishes, and make that your menu for your restaurant. You're the French Laundry, right? No. The art, when it comes to restaurant cooking, isn't necessarily making the dish. It's making the dish consistently, night after night, for how many ever people are coming in. The art is figuring out how to do that, taking all of those components required to make that dish, 
from cleaning a fish to making a sauce to making sure it's the right temperature and dealing with the ingredients you have and making a system out of that. It's all about making sure you have a system to make that work consistently. Do that night after night for 200 people a night, and that is the art of running a great restaurant and being a great chef. Colicchio didn't even mention that also on a daily basis, one would have to stock huge volumes of food, serve large numbers of people, order from suppliers, maintain efficiency, contend with personnel management, provide consistent service, and greet all with a warm hospitality. You need systems for all of that too. So in other words, you can see that we need a strong foundation, efficient systems, and an intentional interconnected infrastructure to systemically configure your new restaurant. Now let's examine an example from the healthcare industry. Brian Weiner, in A Theory of Organizational Readiness for Change in 2007, discusses improving healthcare delivery approaches. He focuses, quote, on the organizational level of analysis because many promising approaches to improving healthcare delivery entail collective behavior change in the forms of systems redesign. That is, multiple simultaneous changes in staffing, workflow, decision-making, communication, and reward systems, end quote. He describes, quote, organizational readiness as a shared psychological state in which organizational members feel committed to implementing an organizational change and are confident in their collective abilities to do so. He further proposes strategies such as highlighting the discrepancy between current and desired performance levels, fomenting dissatisfaction with the status quo, creating an appealing vision of a future state of affairs, and increasing the perception of the changes needed, important or worthwhile. Later, he argues, creating a sense of urgency might be useful, increasing change balance in some situations when complacency is high, but not in others when uncertainty is high. So here we have some insight from healthcare reform research that connects to urgency, disruption of the status quo, bringing change to scale, and system redesign for systemic reconfiguration. The term at scale is sometimes used interchangeably with scaling up and with scaling. All three of these terms are often referenced in discussions around organizational management and implementation science. At scale and scaling up are broadly used phrases that speak to the replication of actions or innovations within an organization. Cynthia Coburn, in her 2003 article, Rethinking Scale, Moving Beyond Numbers to Deep and Lasting Change, submits that scaling means those actions are done with consistency and fidelity of, impl of implementation. Coburn has synthesized and articulated a more multidimensional conceptualization of scale. She developed a conception of scale that has four interrelated dimensions, depth, sustainability, spread, and shift in reform ownership. And she suggests implications of this conceptualization for reform strategy and research design. Now that we've explored the broad concept of at scale, let's move on to discuss at scale specifically in the context of the blueprint. What does at scale mean then in that context? The Blueprint purposefully builds and installs district systems and building routines so they can be used 
at scale to support the dramatic improvement of student, teacher, and leader performance in a short amount of time. According to wordreference.com, at scale often means on a larger scale or across an entire company or involving more people than those within a single segment. Thus, we use at scale to refer to both installation and impact of the blueprints drivers, driver systems, district systems, and building routines at a larger scale or throughout the entire district. When something is at scale, it is found throughout the entire district and there is coherence, shared understanding, and common systematic use of the blueprint components. The blueprint's goal is to save the lives of children. At scale means each and every student for whom the district is privileged to serve. In Blueprint Installation Central on January 10th, 2018, Angela Jack, coordinator of professional learning, referenced Sutton and Rowe, 2014, who noted that scaling hinges on the discovery of pockets of excellence and connecting the people who have it and their ideas and expertise to others across the organization. They refer to this scaling principle as connect people and cascade excellence. It seems apparent that cascading excellence is rooted throughout the blueprint for systemic reconfiguration. Doing work at scale is crucial to the blueprint's focus. It is totally about having systems, drivers, driver systems, and building routines installed with fidelity and to the extent that they are not dependent on an individual or small group to lead them, but rather that all of the resources, the professional learning, the infrastructure and personnel are in place to ensure that the core of area of blueprint work improves the performance of students, teachers, and leaders. Horner, in 2017, suggests four steps that must be considered in the scale-up process. One, first, the system or program to be installed should be carefully evaluated to understand what essential components are needed for installation. The essential components should be assessed in the contribution to the desired outcomes. Education Resource Strategies out of Watertown, Massachusetts, provides a district self-assessment for understanding the essential components needed for scaling up blueprint installation. The four broad questions that should be answered to evaluate readiness for installation are, one, does your district systemically or systematically assess student needs, teacher capacity, and school practice at each school? Two, does your district allocate resources equitable or equitably to schools based on student need? Do schools use those resources effectively to support instructional growth? Three, does your district have an effective program that tailors interventions to meet individual school needs? And four, what are the right interventions? ERS answers that question by providing five interventions which they consider as mission critical. Select and support strong and train strong leaders, develop support and coach expert teacher teams, help for at-risk students. In the blueprint, this means leveraging the intense student support network, and utilizing the norms of pastoral care, which are care, safety, support, and membership, school design driven by student needs, and central office support. ERS gives us these broad components we can use as a frame to consider step one of Horner's four steps to establish readiness for installation. Now let's keep in mind the importance of fidelity in any installation. 
Some synonyms for fidelity are loyalty, adherence, faithfulness, and consistency. Maintaining fidelity in Blueprint requires consistency and a faithful adherence to installing the systems, drivers, driver systems, and building routines. Earlier, we referenced Cynthia Coburn's research, and I want to note that she also mentions the importance of consistency and fidelity of implementation. A measure of fidelity on the use of the systems and programs and practice is a requirement for sustainability and scaling. The implementation not only needs to be effective, but also needs to be used as intended with fidelity over time, sustainability, and by all staff involved, scalability. I'm gonna say that again, because that is really important. The implementation not only needs to be effective, but also needs to be used as intended with fidelity. Over time, sustainability, and by all staff involved, scalability. Practical fidelity assessments are needed to continuously assess the scaling process. In the blueprint, we use performance management and the problem-solving driver system to ensure and monitor fidelity. Let's look at Horner's second step. A measure of fidelity on the use of the systems and programs in practice is a requirement for sustaining sustainability and scaling. The implementation not only needs to be effective, but also needs to be used as intended with fidelity over time, sustainability, and by all staff involved, scalability. Practical fidelity assessments are needed to continuously assess the scaling process. Relating this to the blueprint, let's remember that the performance management driver system is by design a measure of fidelity. Performance management is a process for establishing a shared understanding about what is to be achieved and to what degree we are achieving it. This driver system enables the district to understand and respond to the quality of the blueprint's installation on two distinct levels. One, the extent to which the district systems and drivers have been installed at scale to support dramatic improvement in student, teacher, and leader performance in a short amount of time. And two, the extent to which each building's analysis of multiple measures of data indicates the degree to which the building is on track to meet or exceed its annual performance goals. Blueprint districts monitor, track, and adjust the system installation progress and its impact on student, teacher, and leader performance by installing the performance management driver system. Let's look at Horner's step three. Scaling requires attention to large functional units in the system. That's Biglin, 1990. Teachers provide instruction to students in the context of schools, and schools operate within the context of districts. Districts represent the system that impacts outcomes for schools, teachers, and students, and district functioning has a multiplier effect. In School Turnarounds, the Essential Role of Districts, Heather Zavadsky shares from her research the critical importance of data use, monitoring, and performance management. Quote, while it seems straightforward that performance management means the presence of data, there are some important considerations for building the proper tools, practices, and culture to make data useful. There must be a user-friendly interface where users can easily obtain numerous types of data on students and schools, 
time to review data in collaborative groups, an understanding of how to interpret and react to data, structured monitoring systems like walkthroughs, a system to tie data points together to assess progress on district and school goals, and a culture of climate of trust that is comfortable with and eager to use data as a flashlight rather than as a hammer. Collapsing those practices into four essential categories, it takes one, powerful data management systems, two, various data collection tools, three, an accountability tool to manage all the data pieces, and four, a culture of trust that values data. That's Zavadsky from her book in 2012, page 39 and 40. Do you see the explicit and implicit connections to the problem-solving driver system, the performance management driver system, and the instructional infrastructure pointed out by Zavadsky. She weaves it all together for us. Finally, in step four, Horner states, with districts as the key leverage point for producing student outcomes, the development of district implementation capacity, organizational support, is the key to scaling evidence-based outcomes. Scaling requires a data-based decision system that provides relevant, usable, and accessible data that can be used at every level of the system. In the blueprint, everything is viewed from a system's perspective and interconnectivity is woven throughout. The district network installs and drives the district systems of talent management, leadership network, instructional infrastructure, and the intense student support network while developing organizational supports to drive the work. Building networks are very connected to the district network, so there are is inflow and outflow constantly. The building network installs building level routines, principals leverage district systems, the instructional leadership routines, and teacher collaborative routines. Both the district network and the building network do their work by utilizing the problem solving driver system, the performance management driver system, and the communications driver system. Communications is utilized to create a shared understanding for all the adults in the organization and to relentlessly maintain a flow of information being sent, received, and checking for understanding. All decisions are based on data with continuous monitoring for effectiveness of installation through performance management. At scale means change touches everything in the system with fidelity and permeates the Blueprint District. Let's reconsider the example of professional learning communities. At one time, PLCs were mandated and it didn't succeed because standards weren't set and it wasn't assessed. Rig Dufour successfully implemented PLCs in Lincolnshire, Illinois, where he served as principal and later superintendent. Why was it not successful when implemented in many other districts? Were structures and systems missing? Was professional learning provided? Were action plans made, but no action was taken? Were data used to problem find, problem solve, identify measurement standards, and then monitor and adjust? Let's consider some of the research around change to help us answer these questions. Here is where the district's communications driver system can be leveraged at its fullest potential to communicate and build shared understanding at scale of the systemic reconfiguration and deal with change. While some people view change as exciting may, and may embrace change, many more people view change with skepticism, anxiety, and sometimes even fear. Therefore, change brings resistance. 
according to Prosti's The Psychology of Change, when we start any change initiative, we should anticipate resistance and be prepared for the many ways people respond to change and acquire some strategies to deal with those human reactions. So while we anticipate resistance, we should view it as normal. Change can create concern, angst, nervousness, and unease. In addition to the powerful emotional reactions to change, there are other influential factors that cause resistance. Quote, the impact on a person's work, the trustworthiness of people communicating the change, personal factors, including finances, age, health, mobility, family status, the change's alignment with their value system and the organization's past history of handling change, all can contribute, end quote. As we talked about in the chapter on the communications driver system, according to, again, processes the psychology of change, there are senders and receivers in any change situation. The sender is the person who provides information about the change, and the receiver is the person who, or persons, receiving that information. Very often, the message a sender gives is vastly different from the message received. The Psychology of Change article provides us with this example. Quote, a supervisor, sender, sits down with an employee to discuss a major restructuring project with the company. The supervisor is enthusiastic and positive. She may cover all the key messages, including the business reasons for change, the risk of not changing, and the urgency to change the organization to remain competitive. The supervisor even emphasizes that this is a challenging and exciting time. However, when the employee, the receiver, receives and discusses this change at home over dinner, the key messages to his family are, I may not have a job, the company is having trouble, end quote. How a message is interpreted by the receiver may be influenced by many factors, such as personal and home relationships, gossip they've heard, trust they have or don't have in the sender, career goals, and personal and work experiences with previous change efforts. So what does this mean for us when we manage change? First, we must recognize that senders and receivers may have a very different understanding of the message. Quote, seek first to understand, then to be understood, end quote, as Stephen Covey advised, would be a great start. The sender needs to be very clear in the communication and then intentionally seek to understand the receivers by asking for feedback, truly listening, perhaps paraphrasing and exchanging ideas to develop shared meaning. The sender, quote, then must be willing to communicate over and over again and be willing to correct misinformation that inevitably spreads during change, end quote, from Prosti. If we do a really good job at managing change, we'll find that change management can shift from preventing and managing resistance to engaging employees and building enthusiasm and passion around the change. Three critical and relevant lessons for change management practitioners related to employee resistance are, again from Prosti, do not react to resistance with surprise, expect it and plan for it. Be patient with individuals as they work their way through the change process. Assess resistance not only from an individual perspective, but also based on the larger organizational context." End quote. Therefore, if we recognize that resistance to change is quite natural, then we should not and cannot be surprised, but rather we should fully anticipate resistance, be prepared, and plan to deal with resistance as we leverage the communications driver system to build shared understanding at scale.
Sustainability and at scale are sometimes thought of as synonymous. It is critical to recognize when installing the blueprint that these concepts are inherently different in their planning and implementation. A system or a routine could well be implemented within a district by people at different levels and in different roles. However, that system or routine might not be sustainable. If systems, driver systems, drivers, and routines do not include appropriate professional learning, resources, support, partnerships, coaching, and feedback to sustain them at scale, they will decline. And that, my friends, is where performance management is critical. We continually need to ask, are we on track? What do the data show? How are we measuring success? We need to check whether we are on target to achieve our goals and ask, what do we need to do to modify or adjust? Or what do we need to do next to sustain our progress? Some of our lofty blueprint goals for systemic reconfiguration in our district learning organizations are universality, fidelity, and sustainability at scale. Therefore, when we have systemically reconfigured a district and scaled up every system, then we have achieved universality and have created a vibrant, effective learning organization with sustainability. We use at scale to refer to both the installation and impact of the Blueprint's driver, driver systems, district systems, and building routines throughout the entire district. Remembering Peter Senge's systems thinking, all the systems are interconnected and interrelated. And when we are at scale, all the systems, drivers, driver systems, and routines are found throughout the entire district, and there is coherence, shared understanding, and common use. Everyone within the system can talk the language, explain the district vision, and perform in ways that meet expectations. Not just some of the teachers or some of the leaders, all means all. That, my friends, is deep and lasting change at scale intentionally designed to impact and uplift all students in our care. And that is our moral imperative. And that wraps up episode seven of Blueprint Symposium. I hope you're finding the symposium to be both useful and engaging. And thank you for taking some time out of your very busy day to listen. Blueprint Symposium is now available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Now it's easier than ever to find us and take a listen. Just add it to your library and you'll never miss an episode. Our next episode of Blueprint Symposium comes to you on May 20th. In the meantime, please follow me on Twitter at Grant A. Chandler or the statewide field team at Blueprint underscore Swift. Join me Tuesdays at 7.30 for live chat using the Swift live chat hashtag, that's hashtag Swift underscore live chat. Tomorrow's topic, the building networks. Don't forget about real-time real support, Wednesdays at nine or Thursdays at four, moderated by Angie Jack and yours truly. From all of us at the statewide field team, here's to a great week of educating and supporting each child. The MyExcel statewide field team is dedicated to providing local districts and the ISD ESAs who support them with the intense support needed to assist them in systemic reconfiguration for the sole purpose of saving the lives of Michigan's children. 
We are committed to this vision and will do whatever it takes to support district superintendents and their teams in this critical endeavor to educate all children and to demonstrate to others that public education is viable and is capable, if it chooses to, of successfully serving all children in a culturally proficient environment, regardless of who they are, how they identify themselves, where they come from, or what type of family support they have or do not have. The MyExcel statewide field team operates from the Calhoun Intermediate School District and is funded from federal Title I funds through a statewide competitive technical assistance grant from the Michigan Department of Education. Thus, these materials were produced with Title I Part A funds and are part of the public domain. The MyExcel statewide field team proudly recognizes its partners in this work, Muskegon Area Intermediate School District, Eastern Upper Peninsula Intermediate School District, Gogebic Antanagan Intermediate School District, and MAISA. We are grateful for their willingness to share their expertise with us and with the entire state. The original music used in our podcasts and blogs was composed and performed by Claire Castle. For more information about the statewide field team, the Blueprint for Systemic Reconfiguration, or to access Blueprint tools and resources, check out our website, www.myexcelresourcecenter.org. That's www.myexcelresourcecenter.org.